Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. All right, ahead on this Feel Good Friday edition of the best 60 minutes of your day. Philly feeling good. Got their QB going through DBs and whatnot. Will the road to Minneapolis go through Philly? A couple stud young running backs who bring the pain either by going through you or if need be over you. Face off on Sunday. Will Fournette or Gurley carry his team to victory? And Kelly Bryant, good to go against Syracuse tonight on ESPN. First, Mac Brown will explain why he's gotten to be so good out of the gate. Cubs through to the NLCS for a third straight year while the champs aren't through winning just yet that is next but first you like power this is the alcs for you yankees and astros number one and number two in the majors respectively in home runs this season astros took the season series 5-2 but the last of those seven games came on july 2nd so those regular season results in 10 cents will get you a cup of coffee uh, since these teams last met the Yankees added Sonny Gray, Todd Frazier. Of course, the Astros only added Justin Verlander. There are your game one lineups. Aaron Judge remaining in the two spot. We'll see for how long, although Joe Girardi said earlier he is not moving Judge out of the two spot. But Buster, what it is right now, leading off for us from Houston, uh, how did the Yankees take down a second consecutive 100-plus win team from the regular season. Something, Buster, only five teams have done in the same postseason, and two have pulled off prior to the World Series. Michael, in this series, they have to limit the damage of the number one and number two hitters in the Houston lineup because Jose Altuve hits third. And we know this. Jose Altuve led the league in hits this year, last year, the two years before that. He went 8-for-15 against the Boston Red Sox in the division series. He's going to hit. So if you're the Yankees, you have to try to figure out a way to keep George Springer, Josh Reddick, Alex Bregman off base for when Altuve and Carlos Correa come to the plate. And the other thing is the Yankees have to do, exploit the advantage they have in the bullpens. The other day when we talked to Terry Francona, the Indians manager, he looked at it and said, how the heck did these guys get Tommy Canely along with David Robertson and all those other arms that's the Yankees' big advantage in this series and the rest of the postseason in the eyes of some evaluators I spoke with today. And by the way, Michael, I talked to three, and they all predicted the Yankees would win this series. How about that? That's right. Tommy Canley, another guy that the Yankees did not have the last time t- these two teams met back on July 2nd. So Aaron Judge, one for 24 in the postseason, one for 20 with 16 Ks in the ALDS. That's a record for strikeouts in a single postseason series. How concerned, Buster, if at all, are the Yankees about Judge? They're not concerned yet. When we talked to Joe Girardi a few minutes ago, he said, look, I have to remember, I can't overreact to how he did against the Indians because he was facing the Indians with that great pitching. The other thing, too, is they've seen Aaron Judge go through this. He had that monster first half and then that long slump during which he didn't hit much, but he saw a lot of pitches and drew a lot of walks. So they know he can work through this, which is why, as you referenced, Joe Girardi said he never considered moving him out of the two spot for this game. All right, Buster, we appreciate it. Joined now by Mark Teixeira. Uh, So, Mark, let's talk to Naka. Uh, Back in May, surrendered eight earned runs, got five outs against the Astros, got a 10-3-8 ERA and four career starts against Houston. Going up against Dallas Keiko, who owns the Yankees. Uh, What's Tanaka got to do? How does he 
somewhat uh, counter the, the disadvantage that the Yankees have in, in terms of starting pitching. Buster talked about the bullpen. Yeah. Clear disadvantage when it comes to these T- starters. Tonight is definitely a disadvantage for the Yankees because Keuchel's really good at home and really good against the Yankees. Tanaka's not good on the road and terrible against the Astros. So, you know, tonight it's, it's advantage Astros. But if Tanaka can keep the Yankees in this game and pass it along to the bullpen, if he can keep it within a couple runs... And, you know, five, six innings maybe, mm-hmm. hand it off to the bullpen, the Yankees have a chance. What he can't do is what happened on Derek Jeter Day right. in May. Not get out of the give, second. Exactly. Yeah. Give, up, give up eight runs in an inning and two-thirds. Four home runs. Right. I mean, that's like batting practice. So what he can't do is just make the game – over within a few innings. Okay, now he says he's a much different pitcher since he was then. We shall see. Stand by, because as if the recurring nightmare of losing in the division series weren't enough, the Nationals and their fans had to suffer through four hours, 37 minutes of inevitable heartache, the longest nine-inning game in postseason history. Meanwhile, the dream of a dynasty remains alive for the defending champs who are in the NLCS for the third straight year. And in Los Angeles for tomorrow's game, after their flight from D.C. had to be diverted to New Mexico due to a non-life-threatening medical issue involving a family member of someone on the charter flight. And so the NLCS will begin on Saturday at Dodgers Stadium. It's the first time that the same teams will meet in the consecutive LCS series since the Phillies defeated the Dodgers in both 08 and 09. Cubs knocked off the Dodgers, of course, in six games in the 2016 NLCS. And for what it's worth, the Dodgers took four of their six regular season meetings, including all three at Dodger Stadium. Okay, Mark, pitching matchups. Cubs bullpen's a mess. Dodger starters, rested, locked, and loaded. Yep. How did the Cubs overcome this? You know what? I think this series, you know, really favors the Dodgers. I mean, they're rested. They played really well the last couple weeks of the season. They had that terrible stretch where they lost 16 of 17, and we all started figuring out or trying to, trying to figure out what was happening in L.A. I think they got bored for a little bit. They were up by 30 games in division. They got bored, decided to play, start playing better at the end of the year. The Dodgers are well-rested. They're pitching great. They're scoring runs. The Cubs went through a really tough kind of slugfest of a series they got probably two hours of sleep today and yeah. had a workout. Yeah, had the flight diverted, everything. I, I think this first game, especially with Clayton Kershaw on the mound, and it's probably going to be maybe John Lackey or, or Jose Quintana for the Cubs. Again, just like the Astros have the, the pitching advantage, the Dodgers have the pitching advantage in game one. But I think this is an entire series. It's the Dodgers to lose okay. in, in the NLCS. Well, speaking of getting bored, is it one of those things where the series doesn't get interesting until the Cubs are facing elimination? Because they're now 4 <laughs> no in elimination games in the last two postseasons. Three of them coming by one run. 3-0 and in winner-take-all games under Joe Madden. Yeah, so. we, we do kind of a Never tale. Never say die with it, them. No, absolutely. We do a tale of the tape at baseball tonight. Mm-hmm. And I think the tale of the tape would tell you the Dodgers all the way through. But then you get to intangibles. And those intangibles, the Cubs come out on top every single time whether it's Joe Madden pushing the right buttons, whether it's the team just finding out a way to win. They won an ugly game last night, but they found a way to win. I think these Cubs have some fight left in them, and it's going to be a good series. Well, let's, let's go with that intangibles theme for a second because you look at the Nationals, and obviously that's not why they lost the series, but failing to get out of the NLDS yet again. The Dodgers haven't been able to get over their hump when it comes to the postseason and getting to the World Series when you look at the Cubs, I mentioned, shout out to Game of Thrones, you know, trying to build a dynasty, but there's still yeah. a little bit of like, hey, we're having fun here. We've already ended our curse. We're trying to build on that, whereas the Dodgers facing all that pressure with this payroll, with this regular season. Is that a factor at all? Yes, tons of pressure. There is something to a nothing-to-lose mentality. Yep. And if you think of the Cubs, they won their, 
their series last year. They right. got the huge, not satisfied. Not saying no, that, no, no, no. But they got the 106 year curse off yeah. their back. What they're doing now is trying to build something special. Mm-hmm. And if you remember the Yankees dynasty, they won in '96, didn't win in '97, but then went on to win three more. I'm not saying that's going to happen with the Cubs, but the Cubs know they're going to be good for a long time. If they don't win this year, it's still a good season. Not so for the Dodgers. If, if the Dodgers don't win this year, <laughs> yeah. here we go again. Yeah. You guys had the greatest team maybe in Dodgers franchise history during the regular season, and you couldn't get over the hump again. What's going on here? So the Dodgers have a lot to lose. All right, and it starts with the greatest pitcher, arguably, of his generation, and Clayton Kershaw no getting the ball tonight. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Lawyers for Ezekiel Elliott in the NFLPA informed a judge today that they will seek an unbonk hearing before the full Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. They're seeking to overturn yesterday's ruling that restored Elliott's six-game suspension for domestic violence allegations. The original appeal decided two to one by three-judge panel. They're also asking the judge to hold the suspension in abeyance until their requests can be considered. According to Tulane Law Professor Gabe Feldman, the Fifth Circuit only granted 3% of en banc petitions last year. I'm playing a lawyer on TV, people. There is no question that... uh... Uh, the uh, commissioner has the authority to make these suspensions. Uh, the question was ultimately going to be, uh, does he have to follow in practice a fair way? And so uh, Zeke and uh, his team and, and the Cowboys do not think that it was done in a fair way. All right, number two, Clemson. Many believe they have a legit claim at the top spot, looking to improve to 7-0 at the top of the hour on ESPN. Kelly Bryant in the starting lineup tonight after coming out in the third quarter of last week's 28-14 victory over Wake Forest because of a left ankle sprain. Now Bryant wore a walking boot after the game and said he was uncertain about his status. He has passed for 1,259 yards and four touchdowns and run for seven scores, and he will, in fact, look to add to that total or those totals tonight against Syracuse following SportsCenter. He's been hit 96 times more than any other Power 5 QB. Let's do a hit with Mac Brown, who is on the call tonight. Mac, how has Clemson uh, tailored its offense? How has that offense evolved to fit what Kelly Bryant does well, replacing Deshaun Watson? They didn't say, hey, come be Deshaun. They just asked him to be Kelly Bryant, and it's working fabulously. Well, that's exactly right, Michael. What they've done is they've got more designed runs with Kelly Bryant than they did Deshaun. John, Deshaun was a scrambler and thrower run, and now they actually have a package for quarterback runs, and they're running the ball much better now than they did last year. It's allowed them to be balanced. They're about 1,400-plus yards rushing, 1,400-plus yards passing, and uh, Kelly's also 67% on his completions. Yes, that's right. They've called a pass play on 56% of their snaps this year. Uh, last year, oh, excuse me, on last year was 56% of their snaps. This year is less than 48%. They're also taking uh, more deep shots uh, down the field. Uh, what are your concerns with this Clemson team? As I mentioned, a lot of people think they're the best team in the country. They've beaten three top 15 teams so far, uh, would seem to have a decided advantage at Syracuse tonight. But what are your concerns moving forward as this team looks to repeat and at minimum make it back to the playoffs? Well, Number one is, can Kelly continue to run the ball as much as he is and stay healthy? I don't think we'll see him run as much tonight with the designed runs as he normally does because they've got a week off and and then two weeks to prepare for the next game. Secondly, their kicker has missed a lot of kicks. Their starting kicker was a walk-on, but he was really good. He got hurt in in preseason practice. But now they're not as consistent with their kicking game, 
and they're really young. They don't have as much depth up front in their front seven. Their front seven's really good, but they lost a lot to the NFL. Back end is young, but they're very talented. Receivers are young, but they're playing nine guys. So can this young team continue to play to a standard tonight and throughout the rest of the year to get back to that national championship game? And as I mentioned, Kelly Bryant hurt the ankle last week, was in a walking boot playing tonight, but hit 96 times more than any other Power 5 QB. So you're right, they got to keep him healthy. Mac Brown on the call for Clemson at Syracuse, 7 Eastern, following SportsCenter on ESPN. Thank you, Mac. Uh, sorry, Lake Show fans, but Lonzo Ball will not play tonight against the Clippers, so he'll have to sit and enjoy, maybe, the Milos Teodosic show, just like the rest of us. Luke Walton said yesterday that Ball was still experiencing ankle discomfort after practicing but not scrimmaging. Ball did not participate in shoot-around today. This is the story of a famous dog. <laughs> but a dog that chases his tail will be dizzy. These are clapping dogs, rhythmic dogs, harmonic dogs, house dogs, street dogs, dogs of the world unite, dancing dogs, yeah, counting dogs, Funky dogs, nasty dogs. <laughs> what you know about that, huh? Yeah, I know a little. I don't know nothing about. It. I mean, five me. All right, shout out to the cues. Yeah, it's, that's pretty good. That's how you used to break it down in the locker room after uh, a big Eagles know, win. Anytime you win, it's always fun. That, that's, that's good. We know how you get down, that's coach. Good. That's good for those guys. That, yeah, well, that's yeah, that, oh yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I still got. I, I'm, I can still bend my knees. Yeah. And I'm on rhythm. I would have liked good. to see you back in your day when, <laughs> when y'all had a big win in Philly in the locker room. You and Coach Vermeil. Yeah, we, Y'all had, broke it down nice, we like, had good times. Yeah. Really I, by the way, my compliments. You had that laid out last night, didn't you? My wife dresses. Just ready to just, I, I'm going to kill him tomorrow on the 6th. I will give her all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. All right, so another impressive Carson Wentz performance. Eagles now 5-1. and one. Look, let's just go ahead and put it out there. They Super Bowl contenders? They control their destiny. They really do. When you think about the season, you break it down. It's always a race to 10. They are 5-1 and one right now. After playing six games, if you do the math, they have 10 games left. They have, they have margin of error. Mm. In other words, let's just say they're a 500 football team the rest of the way. That's 10 wins. Okay. Now, so they, they're in the tournament, as you like they to say. Are in the, they are in the tournament. They are in the tournament and can host the tournament at their home if they like, mm-hmm. if they keep winning. They, they got, I'm going to say the C word. They, they seem complete to me. You know, they do. Like they, can, they can run it well enough. They I know the quarterback's it. young, not trying to put him in no. that. You know, but he's, uh, he's playing well for a young guy, finding a tight end especially, and then defensively they make life hard on you, especially up front. Up front. And that's where the strength is of this football team, especially defensively up front with the front seven. And we watched him last night, uh, Fletcher Cox, Curry, Jenny. <laughs> he will wreck your game you know, plan. They, they will just wreck your – look, Cam Newton's a big man. Yeah. And he stood in that pocket. And uh, it's like they were storming the castle. Did you – Fox pushed the, push the guard mean, back just, into him? Just power rushed him all the way back. And Cam is 6'5 yeah. now. I mean, he went up to throw the ball, you know, tip balls, high balls. I mean, that's what happens when you can close the pocket. And, and contained him and, and contained a pretty good offense for a while now. I think the know, running backs had like a yard. That's exactly right. Couldn't yeah. run the football. Yeah. And that's, Cam went back 52 times. Got hit 15 times. Yeah. That's not good. That's different, not good different Panthers team, of course, when Luke Kuechly went into the concussion protocol. But still, you win at Carolina. They were feeling good about themselves after those two games. Impressive for the Eagles. On a short week as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now they get a chance to rest. That's right. So you got two three and two teams that we didn't expect to be three and two. They get together Sunday. Jags play host to the Rams. Mm. So you got Ty Gurley, all right, trying to yes. lead L.A. over his next hurdle. He is the third leading rusher in the NFL. Going up against Leonard Fournette who never backs down from a challenge. I know you like this move right yeah, here. Yeah, waving him he on now. second leading rusher Those are two tough men. Mitchell and Fournette are two tough individuals. I love it. That's, that's, that's good, clean, hard football. So that's what I want to know. You got two of the top 
top young running backs in the league, Coach. How you like your running backs? You like them going through people or over people? How you prefer it? I like them uh, once they do what they do <laughs> to get up and go, you know what? This is what I'm about. Uh-huh. Don't throw the ball. Don't do a dance. Just kind of say, this is what I, you know, I've been very fortunate. Had, obviously. Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin. Okay, Larry Johnson. I had two fantastic running backs in my career as a coach. And you know what? They, they understood it. They're going to get it about 25 times a game. They set the tempo. It's so funny you say that because I'm not saying that's the same 27, but I was thinking Larry Johnson when I looked at the fact that he got 109 carries. Yes. They playing around the quarterback. They lead the league in point differential and turnover margin. You played a lot around a lot of quarterbacks. No disrespect. You yes, played sir. around a lot of quarterbacks, and you ran Larry Johnson until he couldn't run it anymore. Well, because so, I, so you must love how Jacksonville plays football. Absolutely. Right now, so. And yeah. look, when you get a back like that, or even Gurley, yeah. you know they're going to have to touch the ball at least 30 times in a football game. And I've always asked running backs this question. I give them the football and ask them this question, Michael. I said, is the ball heavy? They say, no, coach. I said, I'm good because you're going to carry it a lot. <laughs> Not heavy. Right. Don't wear a whole lot. Just put right. your hand in your Just take him and go right. Or in the case of Gurley, we're going to throw it to you a lot. He's really coming you know to his own he as a receiver. He has really come into his own as a receiver. Yeah. He is, a, he is a, a really complete running back. There's All no right. doubt about it. All right, the Steelers. So they get right tackle Marcus Gilbert back mm-hmm. from injury. And he's calling this week's game a turning point in their season. He said, I think we're at this point now. We have to set our eagles aside. No matter whoever's catching the ball, whoever's running the ball, be selfless and just take one for the team. Most teams win because they have guys – like that. Who are we talking about? I'll say this. I know what he's talking about, and I think the guys in the locker room get the message. And if you're the head coach, you're glad that the player like this spoke up. Yeah. These, this Pittsburgh Steelers team, good team. A lot of people picked them actually to, to represent the AF. The NFC. Chiefs know that all too well. They've That's struggled exactly with them right. recently. That's exactly right. And so this is one of those games you're going in Arrowhead. Your quarterback just played very bad. How do you react to this? Going on the road. Big game. This is a little bit of a turning point for them. They could lose this game, but if they play in a sense where it's competitive and you, lose, yeah, or, and you lose maybe in the fourth quarter by a field sure. goal or something. You know, be three and three. You, you walk away and you go, we're good. Yeah. It can't be what just happened to you in Jacksonville now. Right. Because then you got a problem. And you certainly can't come out of it, you know, where the question whether you still got it or, you know, teammates throwing a tantrum or we need to run the ball more, I need the ball more. It can't be that. I mean, we know there are different guys that have had different agendas, whether it's Ben with his future or Antonio with his touches or Le'Veon, you know, with his. So the offensive tackle was pretty much talking about the whole, the whole room on well, offense, right? Well, guess what? He's talking about the whole team because, look, this thing took, this thing took place on the offseason. Yeah. Running back not coming to camp. Okay? We talked about Ben. Brian, was he going to practice? Was he not going to practice? We just had a sports center special up there. We wait for him to come to practice. They, they took the pads off before he came on the field. They've had a lot of little distractions, and all of a sudden that kind of added up on them a little bit here. They're done with that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Kansas City, Justin Houston, Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill, all expected to play. Mm-hmm. So that's a, tough, that's a tough place to get right. Good football game. That's a tough good place good to get right. Game. I was looking at the, uh, the Vegas odds. It, Chiefs still don't get the respect. They, they're undefeated. undefeated. And we've seen them on national television. It's, I don't know what it is. Because Alex Smith, the quarterback, they still don't seem to get the respect. Because when you ask people about the Super Bowl, they say New England or Pittsburgh still. Kansas City, man, they got, they got everything. That's the problem. And they just keep winning. Yeah. Alex Smith right now, MVP, could be the MVP of the league, right? This, this is big for them. Again, they haven't, they haven't been able to beat Ben. That's exactly Ben's right. Pittsburgh. When Ben gets hurt is one thing. But Ben's Pittsburgh Steelers haven't been able to beat him. And they know about that last year. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you, Coach. And here I thought I was having a rough week. Mm-hmm. The Giants, they have really been about that hard knock life lately. So they lost Odell Beckham Jr. for the season, along with Brandon Marshall and Dwayne Harris. 
suspended DRC indefinitely. What a mess. And oh goody, we get to watch this Giants dumpster fire Sunday night against the Broncos. Von Miller, look at his chops. Not that he isn't always. Four sacks in his last three games. So the Giants already in an 0-5 hole. They've already ruled six players out for Sunday night, including Sterling Shepard, Olivier Vernon, Jonathan Casillas, and Paul Perkins. At least Landon Collins is questionable with an ankle injury. Anita Marks is here to answer your questions about the Giants. Anita, I, I need you to bring it. I need, you to, I need you to give me the best that you got. Well, let's talk about Did Landon. you get that reference? I, I did. I did. But let's. Okay, good. Uh, Landon, <laughs> Landon Collins, I know he's questionable. Yeah. I just, I, I'll, I'll be surprised. If he does play. I own him in an IDS uh, uh, fantasy football league. I've already, I've got him on my bench already. You'd be surprised if he played yes, too. Oh, yes, okay. Not, so so, it's just so, there's, so it, it, gets, it gets worse. So paint the picture of how bad it's become inside this Giants locker room. A lot of speculation this week about Ben McAdoo having lost the team. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the way this whole Dominic rogers Cromarty thing played out, the drama played out, right? Like Wednesday went in, had a heated discussion with Ben. Uh, ben then suspended him. He went into his locker, took a few belongings, left. Here's where it really gets interesting. After practice on Wednesday, Ben addressed the media and told the media that he suspended Dominic Rogers Camardi, but the team didn't know. So now, I mean, you did DRC know? Because I remember him telling Joe Cena, "I'll be back tomorrow." You okay? But yeah. you you've covered the NFL before. Could you imagine? You're all, you know you know how it works, especially in New York, man. You've got like what 40 media people all waiting to go in the locker room. And, and you know the question is all going to be about Dominic Rogers Cromartie, and this is a locker room where a lot of the guys didn't know. And so, and then on top of that, uh, Jesse Armstead, who's a special assistant with the Giants, he's been with him for a long sure. time, much respect in the locker room. Yep. He addressed the team on Thursday, told him a little bit about what happened with Dominic Rogers Cromartie, gave him somewhat of a pep talk. Ben McAdoo did not address the team about Dominic Rogers Cromartie until today, told him that he was going to revisit the situation. And, and there's expectation that Dominic Rogers Cromartie is going to be back with the team uh, next week. Yeah, I think JPP but, said that was his but understanding. But the way that this yeah. whole thing was handled, yeah. there are players within that locker room who do feel that Ben has lost his locker All room. Right. For sure. On top of that, I mean, let's really break it down. 0-5, yep. going to Denver. You know they're going to get their butts handed to them, Michael. On top of that, they come back. They have Seattle at MetLife. There's going to be empty seats. There's going to be a lot of booing fans. And one thing about the John, John Mayer and that, that family, very prideful. Loves football, hates losing. Yeah. That's when it's really going to get bad. All right. So if the bottom falls out, if it hasn't already fall out, mm-hmm. fall, fallen out, excuse me, what is the fallout? Um, and, of course, we're talking about the future of the Giants, right? The, the thing is that Eli, there's... Eli, there's been speculation the, about I mean, Jacksonville, there's so many, there's McAdoo. So many, it's, it's, it's an onion. Mm-hmm. And let's, we could sit here. I think we could do an entire show peeling this onion about what the Giants, what's going to happen. Job security, Ben McAdoo... I, Based, before this team became an infirmary, mm-hmm. uh, Ben McAdoo was having issues. I mean, there was talks about him not being the play caller, giving up the playbook. Um, he struggled with this offense. This team struggled. There was questions about his job security before all these injuries took place. You can't, I don't think you can, I don't think it's fair to point the finger solely on Ben McAdoo. You've got to look at this roster. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, Jerry Reese and this organization have not drafted right. well for the past few years. You've got a quarterback who's 36, 37. He's not very mobile. Right. Eric Flowers has been pretty much of a bust. So you don't have an offensive line that protects your quarterback. Uh, Eli Apple has not had a good season. There's so many question marks. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. wants to be the highest player in the NFL. What do they do? Right. I think a lot of changes need to happen. I'll be surprised if Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese are back next year. Not surprised. You brought the knowledge. Did I bring it? Anita, you bring me joy. 
thought a little ankle injury was going to keep Kelly Bryant off of ESPN against Syracuse. Coming up after Sports Center, please. Jesse Palmer's here. Um, asked Mac Brown about the evolution of this offense earlier. I ask you, what do you like most about how Clemson has tailored this scheme to fit Kelly Bryant? I don't think they've had to make a lot of changes, quite honestly. I think it's so seldom that you could lose a player, the caliber of Deshaun Watson, and virtually you've got no drop-off on offense. And I knew Kelly Bryant was a good runner when I watched him in mop-up duty last year. I think he's a more physical runner than Deshaun Watson. I've been so impressed watching Kelly Bryant throw the football this year. And he's accurate, but I've loved the way he works through progressions. He's anticipating throws. He's reading coverages. And no doubt, he's thrown to some big-time wide receivers. Yep. Deion Kane, Ray Ray McLeod. They grow them on Hunter trees. Renfro. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like a Blitnikoff finalist and first-round draft pick waiting to happen. But at the end of the day, he's executing and playing so efficiently within this offense right now. And I think when you consider the way Kelly Bryant's playing, and you consider the way their defense is playing right now, to me, Clemson should be the number one team in the country right now. Okay. Uh, let's stay in the ACC. So you got Miami coming off that big win against FSU, taking on Tech. I think yep. that's on ABC tomorrow, but they're down uh, four starters. They're already without Mark Walton. Yep. Uh, top wide receiver, uh, Armin Richards, yep. he's listed as questionable on the yep. injury report. Yep. Yep. Uh, so do the Canes injuries, do they concern you this weekend? Absolutely. And listen, if the Canes were fully loaded, they, sh- they should be concerned about Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's going to be a hard out mm-hmm. regardless. And you mentioned Mark Walton. We'll start there. Yep. One of the most explosive offensive players in all of college football. At running back, he's a home run waiting to happen. His, his ability to cut, make people miss, and his breakaway speed. He's the guy that forces opposing defenses to put a seventh player in the box, and that makes life on uh, the quarterback, Malik Rozier, so much easier. Defensively, though, in this game, Miami's going to be down two starters in the secondary. Right. When you're playing against an option attack offensively, those secondary players are key. They're going to be lined up outside, playing in the alley. They're going to be responsible for tackling the quarterbacks, the running backs on the perimeter. they got to deal with cut blocks on the perimeter. They're in one-on-one man-to-man coverage the entire game long. I think with a fully loaded defense, mm-hmm. stopping Georgia Tech offensively is a problem. So absolutely, the injuries are a major concern for the undefeated Hurricanes. You're talking about Dee Delaney and uh, Sheldrick Redwine, yep. both uh, yep. out in the secondary. That's okay. Red River rivalry. Say that five times fast. Uh, Got to say it slowly, right? <laughs> 112 times they've played. Texas, of course, um, you know, 2-0 and in the conference. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma coming off the loss last week against uh, Iowa State. So how did the Sooners get back on track in this rivalry? Their defense has to play better. Mm-hmm. Last two games, they've been atrocious against Baylor, against Iowa State. They're giving up 415 passing yards a game. That's the worst pass defense in college football over the last two weeks. Way yeah, too they haven't many. even really faced good passing yeah, offense. I mean, yeah, Baylor can throw it around a little so, bit. Yeah. Iowa State was throwing bubble screens right. and swings. And they were so bad in space. Running to the ball, tackling, getting off the blocks. Sometimes just running with effort. Yeah. Getting to the ball. And that's what's most concerning about this defense. And all of a sudden now, you're going to play against the Texas offense. We don't know who's going to start at quarterback. I think it's going to be the true freshman, Sam Ellinger who looked so good against Kansas State last week. He made some wild throws. Mm-hmm. He was very efficient in that offense. Also a good runner. The offense feeds off his physicality. If Oklahoma's defense doesn't get right, if they, if they don't get better, I don't think they have a chance of winning this game. I think Oklahoma can score with anybody. Yeah. Baker Mayfield, to me, is still the best quarterback in college football, but the defense has been a major disappointment. Okay, so this is an interesting note. Kind of a quiet week in terms of marquee matchups, Red River rivalry aside. Uh, no matchups of AP-ranked teams in this week's slate. Less the latest into a season that we've had a week without a ranked matchup since the week before Thanksgiving in 09. That said, give me a ranked team that will go down. You know, it's always something yep, that shocks yep, you yep. in college football. So, so I think it's going to be Miami in terms okay. of an undefeated The injuries team. we talked about. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't. Have you ever been to a Miami Hurricanes home game? Unfortunately not. Okay. That's on my bucket okay, list. Okay, well, back in the day, oh, yeah. I, I would have said that's unfortunate. Yeah. Like the old Orange Bowl, right. that was sweet. Right. But I would argue 
home field advantage today for the Miami Hurricanes is the worst home field advantage in Power 5 football. It's just the stadium's far. Fans don't always go. It's a big home game for them against a very good Georgia Tech team. We just talked about that matchup. Georgia Tech's the second-best rush offense in the country right now, 396 yards a game. Their quarterback, Taquan Marshall, playing out of his mind, leads the ACC in rushing. And we talk about that, that option offense so much. I really like Georgia Tech's defense. They're not the biggest. They're not the most athletic in the country, but they're smart. They line up. They stay in their gaps. They yeah. don't miss tackles. They're going to give Miami's offense issues. I think upset alert needs to be Miami playing at home. That would be such a letdown for Miami. Mark Rick coming off of the no State. No doubt. You would not have let down. Not that Dude, I expect anything different. Be on Appreciate six, it, though. man. A lot of experts are predicting Kawhi Leonard will be this year's MVP. If that's the case, they'll have to do it playing 81 games or fewer, as Greg Popovich has just said that he will not be available, Kawhi Leonard, that is, for the opener against the Wolves on Wednesday. Still no timetable for his return from a left quad injury. Wow, Kawhi Leonard out for the season opener against Minnesota. I'm trying to get our players to listen to me instead of listening to you guys. You know, all that stuff you write about how good we are and all that stuff they hear on ESPN, it's like poison. You know what I mean? It's like taking poison, like rat poison. All right, so I'm, I'm asking them, are you going to listen to me or are you going to listen to these guys about how good you are? Skinny and sweet, uh, they put in Mr. Hart's coffee. Never changed Nick Saban. Never changed Lane Kiffin. Still hasn't lost his Twitter touch. Stop media. This is rat poison to our players. Ha <laughs> ha, well played. We now turn to college game days, Maria Taylor. So you are in Virginia. Game day is going to be at James Madison University tomorrow. But Saturday night on ESPN, you are covering Arkansas, Alabama, which I'm sure is difficult for a Georgia Bulldog such as yourself. But I'll ask you about the Crimson Tide. <laughs> How did Nick Saban's comments go over in the locker room? Yeah, we can talk about Georgia later, Mike, but uh, the rat poison comment, Nick definitely cleared it up and said, it's not even just about media, it's social media, it's people walking up and patting players on the back and telling them what a great job they are. He quantifies the rat poison as external factors, ultimately, that could affect the way that his players are processing the game, and he said that what you'll end up doing is not doing the small things that got you to the point that you're at now, uh, but I talked to a couple of players, including Sean Dion Hamilton, he's a senior linebacker, and he said, that comment from Coach was probably for the young younger guys who don't really know how to handle success yet that are playing a major role now. They weren't necessarily on the national championship team or playing a lot at that time, so they don't feel the loss as much as some of the older guys do. So coach, just speaking to him a little bit, and plus, Nick Saban was not happy about the way his team finished that Texas A&M game. He told them they lost the last 25 minutes, they lost 16-3, to and that they need to get back to doing the things that they do very well, that process that we always hear so much about. Mm-hmm. Now, how much does the loss last year to Clemson in the national title game fuel Alabama still? It's crazy, Mike, because every single player that I talked to at some point, whether I brought it up or not, they were fuming still about that loss to Clemson and more as a building block. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick said a lot of times during the offseason, they talked about if we're tired, all we have to do is remember that one second that it took for Clemson to win that ball game. That one play, that was the difference. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about finishing. So that's something that fueled them in the offseason, but they still talk about it while they're on the field and while they're playing. And I think that's 
why we've seen them dominate some of those games like Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, where they're trying to really make a point to finish games. It's not just about the way you start. It's not about putting a lot of points up in the first half. It's about finishing and playing a complete game, and that's been one of their focuses, and they have not forgotten that last-second touchdown. A forgotten guy in Heisman conversations is certainly Jalen Hurts, quarterback in the number one team in the country, but he's got 50-1 to odds, uh, according to Westgate. Does he pay attention to the Heisman conversation that does tend to exclude him? Man, Jalen Hurts is one of the calmest players I've ever spoken to. And for him to be so young, he handles the job of being the quarterback of the number one team in the nation very, very well. Uh, He told me that ultimately he knows he's going to deal with criticism. If you are the quarterback at Alabama, there's a very high expectation. He came in knowing that he wanted to improve in the passing game. He also wanted to do a better job making his reads and being able to make checks when he comes up to the line of scrimmage and not having to check with the sideline as much. So he feels like that's a place that he's improved. But he doesn't listen to any of the outside noise. And he says he's learned that from his dad being a coach, being a ball boy back on Friday night light or under the Friday night lights in Texas and high school ball. So he grew up around it, says he remembers carrying a football around since the age of two. He handles the pressure so well and he can't imagine living his life without the sport of football. He lives and breathes it. And I think that's kind of how he's been able to handle and manage all the pressure that comes along with being Alabama's quarterback, Mike. Exactly. Only one goal for the Crimson Tide. All right, Maria Taylor, busy Saturday for you. Game day from James Madison. And we'll also see you on the sideline for Alabama-Arkansas. Thanks for joining the Six. We appreciate you, Maria. Much money is they take home. I imagine it is tough being Roger Goodell's wife. So that's why Jane Skinner Goodell confirmed to the Wall Street Journal because she left clues. You're following your kids' school accounts that she was using an anonymous burner Twitter account to defend her husband. Said it was really silly. Is this a thing, Durant? Goodell's wife? Like, I wonder how many other celebrities have burner accounts. For the record, I don't. I just log out when I get sick of y'all. On the same day, I'm sick of the NCAA. Same day UNC avoided punishment for an academic fraud scandal. NC State freshman guard Braxton Beverly ineligible to play this season by the NCAA because he attended summer school classes at Ohio State after Thad Mata was released. He left. They'll appeal a decision. I'm appealing to the NCAA and this new commission. You want to fix something? Fix stupid things like that. He went to school and now he can't play. Meanwhile, stop teasing us, Tony Romo. By the way, against Philadelphia on the first day of this year, your last pass of your career was a touchdown against the Eagles. (laughs) Terrence Williams. Was it the last pass? (laughs) Don't you dare. Don't you dare start that. Real smooth. Bottom eight, Nats trailing by a run. Wilson Contreras, this is what he does. You can't sleep on him. Anthony Rizzo at first, slapping the tag on Lobaton. That is not the way a game should be decided. I understand it's replay, and technically it was right. It just feels so wrong. It just felt so wrong. But, hey, shouldn't have been napping. Meanwhile, Aisha Curry told The Real that Steph loves her feet. She says when he says to send news, he gets a picture of my bare feet. Gotta love this couple. Be careful, that's how you got the first two. I'm still down for a play date. Let's get Riley and the girls together. All right, that's it for the six. Sports Center continues on ESPN News. Clemson Syracuse is next. I have never looked more forward to a Friday than this.